Hey everybody, just a real quick message before we begin the episode. So the way we released the episodes kind of came out a little bit weird. This one that you're about to hear was supposed to be episode 2. So if you'll bear with us for a little bit in the beginning, we do talk for a bit about the new microphones that we got. We were really excited about them, and basically we just ended up forgetting which episode to record, I'm not going to lie to you. But we do talk a little bit about the new mics and about some of the updates and stuff that we had prior to releasing the new season. For the most part, it'll be fine. There's just a little bit in the beginning there. Uh, so I hope you would just bear with that and then get into the topics. And that's pretty much it. So thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Well, you know what? We are recording now. Okay, can you hear me? Oh, we can God, hear I both of so. us. Can you hear us at home, listeners? Because we just awesome. got some really awesome new microphones. Fuck it up, son. Fuck it up, son. Oh my God. Okay, so we had a come to Jesus meeting. That's like one of three come to Jesus meetings we've had. One, The first one was, we need to get back into it. The second one was, we need to get serious about it. And the third one was, we need to throw some money into some better fucking equipment. And we did. So we bought ourselves some really good fucking microphones that are just going to up our game. They're so good. I wish we had done this from the beginning, but I'm also kind of glad that we fucked it up and now have learned from it going into season two. So we recorded one good episode with some okay equipment and it's going to be all right, but you're going to definitely probably tell a very big difference between the episodes. And we decided that we were on our second season of the show officially we we decided that we were going to be doing this second season basically as a way of saying from this point on it is now going to be a serious venture we're going to be taking it more seriously and there's going to be a better production value you know involved in it um, both in terms of the equipment like we've said and also i'm going to be throwing a little bit more into the editing and i've got jake helping me with the editing because apparently it's so super freaking easy that i should have been doing it all along Fuck you. Anyway. It's easy. It's just tedious. Look, the but point him of getting through the bullshit is going to help me get into the creative aspect. If you're so. done talking, the point of the fact of the matter is, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> that we've been going at it half-assed, and now we're going at it full ass. Full ass. Double ass, actually, because you have an ass and I have an ass. I do. Double ass. Prepare for trouble. Now make it double. Now make it a double. So, Dylan, how's your week been? Uh, so far, pretty boring actually is that right uh, i had a job interview for another retail position <laughs> so <laughs> there's that but i mean really it's uh, my my time is still just taken up by creativity and taking notes for podcasts and i spent today cleaning my room so that shit looking fresh now <laughs> well this room is cleaned yeah we're in the studio that we recorded the last episode in but we cleaned it up even more exactly it's i cleaned, cleaned it up, up even yeah, more. jay cleaned it up i don't live here yeah my um, ex-wife is kind of a hoarder more of a procrastinator when it comes to cleaning and clearing stuff out if the hoarders that you see on the tv show are at a level 10 she was like at a level two still really annoying to have to live with so i got rid of some stuff and uh we had a scare last week when we got together to try to record. We were afraid that because our microphones were such good quality that there was no way we could be in the same room. So we toyed with the idea of actually recording from different places, being away from each other, kind of like in Lady Huck. 
where they're to- always together but forever apart. Hold but Jake hand. couldn't stand the idea of hand, being though. away from me. To be cl- no, I'm kidding. Don't hold my hand, Rudo. <laughs> you initiated. I know. I initiated. But uh, it turns out we can do this. But what what that what that set us up for was cleaning out this room, and I set up myself a bitchin' home office. Yeah, it looks really cool. Now I look like a proper fucking podcaster. He does. I really do. I did the most domestic thing that you could possibly do. I went with my girl slash friend to Ikea this mm. weekend, and I dropped a stack of money to redo my entire house in a lot of ways like kitchen table and chairs and coffee table and some other cool stuff that i could have and bought a lamp and some things here bought a desk and bought a chair an office chair yeah and everything's looking really good i mean they're they're good purchases but it just i don't know something about like even though i don't use the desk because it's a one-person desk like just something about looking at you with your like you got your desk and your microphone you got a lamp behind you and your i want to believe poster i just have a better feeling about it there's more enthusiasm here's my promise to you baby boy oh no if you help me clear out the garage a little bit so i can get rid of this fucking workout equipment we can put you a desk over in that corner over there that would be amazing i was actually going to ask about setting something up in here too oh my god are you serious yeah Yeah, i was gonna ask you before we got it set up and i forgot to um but yeah no i'm definitely down to do that and i mean you know i i'm not doing anything now so that's right um yeah no i'll definitely help you out and it'd be cool to have my own little setup over here too also we need to work on an escape plan to get you out of retail jobs yeah that'd be nice you need to get out of that business uh especially right now because uh for those of you that may be listening well into the future uh, there is still a COVID-19 pandemic, and I am still immunocompromised, as that's not something that's going to change. And we just talked so. about this in our last episode. We were talking about how in our part of Texas that they were opening up a lot of businesses because, you know, there was pressure. The business owners are pressuring the legislators. I'm getting way too political at this point. <laughs> there was pressure to open up these businesses, which is rightly so. I understand that people are really worried about jobs and worried about money. But at the same time, there's like five or six businesses in our town that opened up and then had to close again because workers that had come back to work caught COVID-19. Yeah, my roommate Grace was actually looking through a list of, and it was just this month, um, it was a span from like the 4th to, or no, the 3rd to the 8th, I think, where every one of those days, at least two businesses closed down and had to do a deep clean because somebody got covid and especially here recently with all the protesting and everything, I mean, the protests have not been as big here in Texas, or at least our part of Texas, but the fact is there are still, uh, you know, protests that are happening, and as much as people are trying to social distance and stuff, plenty of people aren't. So we're going to see a resurgence or a, a huge second wave in COVID, and it's horrifying, honestly. I mean, it's, it's very scary for somebody who is immunocompromised. Um, and it's not great to be working back in retail. My old employer just recently opened back up and I've worked one day there and my entire shift, I was at like a level 11 with anxiety. I was, it was not a fun place to be. So, oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, we got to get you out of that job. Yup. We'll find you something else. If you weren't such a simp, I don't even know what that means actually. That's not applicable to but the situation. Is that a thing? I mean, that's a... It's Don't worry about it. Simp I'm, too is a thing. To, I'm too old to learn. But, okay. What is it? Wait, tell me. No, so, uh, so simp is basically just like... I don't know. Basically, it's like somebody who respects women, but like the Chad types make fun of people for being a simp. I think is like... 
it's just like, oh, ha, ha, you respect women, simp. Like, simp is not a bad it's thing. Not like a bad thing at all. No, some people say simp are like the people that spend, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars on like e girls and you know internet people. But like, for the most part, it just seems like simp is you know just respecting women, which is cool. It's twenty twenty. We out here respecting women and That's shit. That's right. It's about time. The Me Too movement was like five years ago, and people are still fucking it up. Right. A bunch of idiots. Super cool how people are. Uh, always fucking up human rights but whatever this is not a politics podcast this podcast that we are doing is actually a true crime and paranormal podcast as some of you may have gathered hi and welcome to another episode of too scared to sleep (laughs) yes hello hail and well met i believe the kids say nobody says that no the kids say that we're doing live action skyrim you creepy creepy guy all right so we talked a little bit. Are you ready for your topic? You want me to go first? Doesn't matter. Yeah, I'll go first. So this particular topic that I'm doing, I actually did in an episode that we recorded that didn't get released because of severe audio issues that I couldn't fix. So hopefully you have forgotten most of it. But I am doing the tale of Alexander Sawney Bean. So many things I forget about you. Like, honestly, it's hard for me to remember your name. That's fair. That hurts, but that's fair. Anyway, so do you remember anything about the mysterious Scottish cannibal mass murderer and clan leader, Sawney Bean? I'm going to pretend like I don't, but I do, but I'm still super excited about this topic. <laughs> I know. It's going to be nice to hear this topic in uh, HD Oh, that's right, because nobody else got to hear it because it sounded like shit when we yeah, recorded that was, it. Yeah, that was our unreleased episode, depressing. which sucked because we had really good topics, which is why I didn't want to just let this one, you know, chill and collect dust, so to speak. That's why, that's, that's when I felt like, you know what, we should just quit this podcast because it's not working. Yeah, that was, well, we're not going to focus on that. All right, so anyway... Like I said, I am talking about Alexander Sawney Bean. As I said, he was a Scottish cannibal and clan leader, in addition to fairly accomplished murderer. Fairly accomplished murderer. A fairly accomplished murderer. <laughs> By that I mean mass murderer. You said fairly accomplished. How many murders do you have to get away away with before you go from, you know, novice to fairly accomplished to expert, perhaps? Like, okay, let's talk about this. John Wayne Gacy and Ted Bundy both murdered more than 15 people. John Wayne Gacy murdered more than 30. Yes. Okay. So I would say they are at the fairly accomplished. I would say or, Bundy's at fairly accomplished. Gacy's further along than that on a continuum. And then way at the tippy top, you have uh, Richard Kuklinski, the Iceman, who's just at the, the top tier level. Because even if you discount the fact he says he killed in the hundreds, even if you say, okay, he didn't kill a hundred. He probably killed half that. That's still 50. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And then you have other guys. Let's see. What other serial killers have killed fewer people than that? Well, I mean, even some of the like famous ones, Ed Gein only killed a couple people. Um, he was mostly grave robbing and making shit out of skin. Zodiac. How many, how many people did Zodiac I don't remember kill? how many people Zodiac killed. Not that killed. many people. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, is there a level? Has anyone ever ranked serial killers? I'm sure they have, and if not, I guess this Serial is what we're getting killers. into. Okay, so Zodiac killed 37 people. I'd say he's he's pretty well accomplished. Serial um, killers okay. ranked according to murders. My Zodiac list of serial killers killed by number of victims. Oh my god. This is an actual Wikipedia article? Okay, so... 
Whoever our FBI agents are, they're going to be so fucking confused by us. <laughs> I know. That reminds me of a thing that I did at work. I was trying to, I was trying to utilize cookies for my own for my own benefit instead of just the marketing. Mm-hmm. And I had seen these boots. These like they look kind of like Converse All Stars, but they're made all of leather, and they have like a white sole. But I had failed to save them on my Instagram feed, and they wouldn't show up again. So then I got onto um, Amazon and Google. And started Googling like different descriptions for them. Mm-hmm. And it only took me about 30 minutes of doing it. only took me about 10 to 15 minutes of doing that. And then 30 minutes after I had started this process, those shoes came up on my Instagram feed. <laughs> You're hacking the system, man. I was man. using the system. Okay. Louis Garavido in Colombia, Ecuador, and Venezuela. Proven victims 138. Yeah, I'm looking at the same one. Holy Pedro Lopez, shit. who I talked about too. The Monster of the Andes. Pedro Lopez 110. Pedro Lopez. Iqbal 100. Mikhail Popovic. Oh, my God, dude. This is what we need to be talking about. Gary Ridgway. Is he in the top 10? He's not even top. The United States doesn't even crack the top 10 when it comes to number of murders. No. Our 49. Shit's, our shit's weak, you put man. Put yourself together, son. Okay, Ted Bundy. I know this guy. Gary Ridgway what? was the highway killer? Yeah. Or the Sm- Green River killer? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ted Bundy killed 30, or was proven to have 35 victims. John Wayne Gacy uh, had 33 Okay, so they're so, close. They are close, but I would say now that we're looking at a list that has proven 138 people murdered, and like the top three are over 100, or they're 100, 110, and 138. I'm going to say, as a red blooded American, I'm embarrassed by this list. Yeah, well, I'm okay. embarrassed that we're only in here. But, okay, the guy that I talked about that just recently came about, Samuel Little, he's up there with 50 victims. Look at that guy. But it's, I don't think he's top 10. Harold Shipman, 218 proven murders. He's the top. Yeah, Samuel, this guy. Samuel that, Little is 11th on the list. This is the guy. He was a GP. Prolific, most prolific serial killer. Okay, I'm going to save this because I'm going to talk about him next week. <laughs> nice. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's insane. That's just insane. Okay, we have gone way down that road. I know, hole. yeah. You, but I'm so excited about that. You took us way down there. Well, okay, so we'll figure out uh, where this guy ranks on this weird dynamic list that we have created for ourselves. But first, let me get through telling you who he is. So, Sonny Bean. Sonny was the name that he went by uh, for most of his adult life. But, unfortunately, most of his early life is undocumented, but he is believed to have been born in East Lothian, Scotland. I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of a lot of these things. But this was sometime in the late 15th century. Uh, His later life and the violent escapades are much more well-documented, though. So, in his young adult life, he got married, uh, and then with his wife, they had the perfectly normal thought to live in a fucking cave. You know, as one does. In a cave? In a cave, yes. Was there a necessity to live in the cave? Or did they just no. Decide, Let's just be weird and live in a cave. Yeah, no, the idea was, hey, we don't want to live in the city, uh, even though we can, so let's just go live in the cave. And they did that, because it was the 15th century Scotland, and they can just do whatever the fuck they want, I guess. So he made his home the Benane Cave in... Ayrshire, Scotland. Again, I'm sorry about the pronunciation. Um, But it was basically as close as one can get to a villainous lair. Uh, It had a number of different hidden passages for rooms. 
um, some underground tunnels. Uh, some of those tunnels stretched for over a mile, uh, many of which got blocked off twice a day due to the high tide. So basically just picture some sort of like, I don't know. Like, it's like a troll family. It's like a troll family. Yeah, that's that's pretty perfect. Like Gollum. Exactly. Yes, it is just buck wild the things that they do here. And you may be asking to yourself, how is it that they could afford to live in such a luxury cave? <laughs> so in order to provide a source of income for himself and his wife, uh, Sonny elected to turn to robbery uh, because he lacked the necessary skills for pretty much anything else. Luckily, he had pretty easy targets and a perfect destination. Uh, the secluded roads that connected nearby villages were basically right at the mouth of his cave. So there was a fairly steady bit of traffic going through there that he could then take advantage of. But they were secluded roads, and it wasn't the main road, so it didn't arouse too much suspicion. Uh, but during his time as a thief, he then realized that, you know, even though it was not a, necessarily a, you know, a main road, there was still going to be a lot of risk involved in this. So he came to the conclusion that any normal human would have murder his victim so he couldn't be identified and caught. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, that's one way of doing it. Yeah, I mean, hey, everybody's got to have their thing. I guess it's just a slippery, slippery slope that starts in living in a cave and ends with murdering people. You know, when you live in a cave, I guess the possibilities are endless. Nothing really seems real. Um, but unfortunately, the grand plans did not stop there. In order to save himself the hassle of going into the villages and acquiring food, he thought that the best choice of action would be not only to kill his victims, but to dismember and eat them. Told you. It's a slippery slope. It starts with living in a cave, gets into murdering people that you robbed, and ends with eating them? Eating them, yes. Wait, I don't even know if it ends with eating them. That's just <laughs> the next step. Yeah, no, we are, we are taking a little bit of a journey here, my friend. Oh, God. And cannibalism is definitely not where the road ends. Cannibalism so, is just a muse-bouche or whatever they call it. I'm just kidding. Cannibalism is the gateway drug. Cannibalism is the gateway drug. So, like I said, they, they decided to just dismember and eat these people, and they continued that on for quite a while. But given that this was in a time before the invention of fun, um, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Bean and his wife sought out the only sort of fun that they had at their disposal. Did you just call him Mr. Bean? I did call him oh Mr. Bean, Oh my god, Bean, that's yes. hilarious. That's creepy. So cannibal Mr. Bean and his wife sought out the only sort of fun that they had at their disposal. Uh, and as a direct result had how many children, can you guess? I'm going to go with 19. Well, damn, now you set the bar too high. They had 14 kids. <laughs> I was close. You were pretty close, though. You said there was no cable. I assume they didn't have a Roku. No. No, this they was... They got nothing else to do but fuck. This was all they, all they can do. All any of us can do Wait, in this world. While they're killing people and eating people, people, they still have time to screw? Yeah. Oof, smush. Exactly. You gotta have time for hobbies. Well, so you know, everybody that they're... Every child that they create is another way to... Another person to help them dispose of bodies exactly because you're not gonna eat the whole body i mean let's be honest i know there's a lot of bits on a human being but Oof. luckily for them all 14 of their kids were predisposed to their appetite for people thanks dear old mom and dad for that so this trend had continued for six years until the children ended up growing to be the charming young adults 
Um, and then they had sex with their mother and father, making even more beautiful darling mutants. What the fuck are you saying? This is like the hills have eyes. This is this is like the hills have eyes. This is yes. disgusting. Thank you so much for this. So you remember how I told you cannibalism was not the end? Yeah, so cannibalism was, was the gateway. stepping stone to incest. And from here, it doesn't get better, my friend. This is like that episode Home in the X-Files. You remember that one? That I episode? don't know. Um, it's basically about a family of inbred cannibals in Kentucky and they go in Mulder and Scully go in and they try to they think that they're holding a woman hostage and they get into the house and there is a woman who has had her arms and legs amputated and she is on a rolly cart and she is hidden under the bed and Mulder's like you know we'll help you we'll help you we'll get you out we'll get you home and Scully says Mulder she is home and it's the kid it's the grown adult children's mother and they have been having an incestuous relationship with her in order to create more inbred offspring. And it is disgusting. Damn, X-Files went a little bit harder than I expected. They went a little bit hard on that episode. That's that's a little heavy. That is. <laughs> Damn, I don't like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it, it is pretty similar to that. Except in this case, the mom and dad were willing. I don't know if that's better or worse. That's gross. It's all bad. But luckily, you know, the, the one thing that I want anybody to take away from this story is that family is important. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway. Okay, so as time went on. Uh, the family unit honed their skills in the murder and cannibalism. However, their body disposal tactics left something to be desired, as hundreds of well-preserved body parts kept showing up on the nearby shores, alerting the townspeople and local authority. Let me say that again. Hundreds of well-preserved body parts. Oh my god. I told you that there would be body parts. There are definitely body parts. So the, fa- the family's clever living situation had actually proved to be incredibly useful, as who would think to check for an incestuous murder family living in a fucking cave? Oh my god. Surely someone had to have known. How far away from the, were they from the city? I mean, they were kind of like in the middle of a road connecting two cities. So they were a good ways out. I just, it's like, who, wasn't there anyone who wanted to like research this or investigate? Well, they were trying to investigate. I mean, like I said, it, it caught the attention of the local authorities. That's right. But they, when you walk by a cave, your first thought isn't, I bet there's a murder family in there. Very true. I get what you're saying. I mean, I guess probably not in like 15th you know, century Scotland anyway. I mean, it's hard for us to believe and we live in a world of spooky shit and it would be even harder for them to believe. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, the advantage of living their lifestyle was nobody really thought to look there, but this allowed the family to continue, you know, doing their murder cannibalism shtick for many years as the mutant babies had grown up to be actually quite large and very good at murder, with reports stating that the family could end up ambushing groups of a dozen or more people at a time in organized pseudo-militaristic maneuvers. Like, they had this whole game plan set up where basically this weird clan of incest creatures would just swarm you and then beat you to death and eat you. The hills have eyes. However, good things cannot last forever, as I'm sure we all know. As the Sawney clan found out during one of their numerous murder parties... <laughs> this time, the uh, the victims were a man and his wife coming home from a fair in a nearby city. As the couple rode their horses by the Sawney family, uh, they, of course, were attacked. 
they started on the woman. They pulled her from the horse and disemboweled her while the husband watched in horror. But before the family could get to the husband, another group of people was coming from the road from the same fair, and they saw what was going on with the family. The Sawney clan realized that they'd been caught and were actually outnumbered for once. So the Sawney clan fled, leaving behind a number of witnesses and this wife's disemboweled body. God. But the husband of this story took advantage of the family running and told his story to the local authorities, who were then able to bring in the chief magistrate of Glasgow, uh, who was able to connect the dots between the numerous body parts that were found and the missing persons. And this man's story was so, I guess, just wild. And, I mean, obviously there's there's a lot of victims, so something like this is going to spread a lot. But they somehow managed to get this crazy story up to King James I, who then brought in a 400-man army along with dogs to track down the Sawney clan. It's about damn time. Right? So the manhunt covered the entire area of the Ayrshire hillside. Uh, For a long time, the search yielded no clues or hints about the whereabouts of the murder until they came upon a waterlogged cave off of a popular road. So armed with torches and swords, the king's men traveled into the miles of the cave until they finally came upon the lair of the Bean family, (laughs) finding what looked like basically a slaughterhouse inside. So let me paint you a little word picture of what they saw. So they found walls covered in human body parts and tattered clothes, human bones, piles of jewelry, and various other things taken from the victims. They also had meat hanging up like you would at a butcher shop, and other areas where meat was being cooked, waiting to be eaten, or meat being smoked to be preserved. All of this was basically just inside this big cave living room section you might call it upon seeing the armed soldiers enter their home uh, the bean family tried to fight them off but unfortunately it was to no avail and they were all arrested but can you guess how many total members of the bean family there were that ended up fighting off these king's guard 42 fuck man you were real close this time there was 48 members of mm. the bean family you know why i, t- why I picked 42 right why it's the answer to the question. Yeah, I guess you're right. I realized as soon as I said why. But anyway, all 48 members of the Bean family tried to fight off these 400-something Kingsguard. Obviously, it did not work. Did they have, like, weapons of any kind? I mean, they had kind of rudimentary stuff that they had made. You know, I'm sure they probably... that they were just goblin ugly and creepy. Mm-hmm. Because on top of being away from society and being just, like... A weird lifestyle and only eating humans i mean then you throw incest into the mix so you have ones that look like literal goblins so yeah i'm sure it was a horrifying scene to watch i mean not only are you walking into a place where you have you know human bones and body parts just strewn all about then you have these creepy little i like to imagine as like the monsters from the descent coming in off the walls just screeching and attacking them absolutely They had to have been the creepiest people you've ever seen. Oh, I'm sure. Like I said, the the entirety of the 48 members of the clan had tried to fight them off. Some of them were killed, but most of them were arrested. After being arrested, though, the family was then escorted into Edinburgh by the king. um, And given the severity and horrific nature of their crimes, the normal Scottish justice system was basically thrown out the window, and the entire family was sentenced to fitting deaths. 
the men had their arms and legs cut off and were left to bleed, while the women watched and were then burned at the stake like witches, finally ending the terrible escapades of the Bean Clan. I'm not much for capital punishment, but that one fits the crime. That one fits the crime. And I feel like it's actually pretty tame for 15th century Scotland, but... Scotland. I mean, goodness gracious. Like no, this, let's, this is why I said I didn't want this topic to chill and collect us, because there's so much to unpack there. And it just paints such a vivid picture in my head of what this shit was like. It's just the absolute worst. It is baffling. In my mind, they're not even wearing clothes. They're like oh, I'm sure they weren't. With like crazy ass feral children hair, you know? Mm-hmm. Scraggly beards, black nail polish, hey. gauges in their ears. Oh, wait. Hey, fuck off. <laughs> I'm wearing clothes. You walked right into that one. You bastard. <laughs> fuck you. Goblin children in the, living in a cave. Yeah. No, but I mean, if they did have clothing, it would have been torn up bloody scraps that they stole from people that they murdered. Or they maybe just used human skin and turned it into leather and made little uh, loincloths out of people. Were they even eating vegetables? Oh, no. Almost certainly scurvy. Not. I mean, they may have had some stuff around there that they were eating, and okay. you know, like, ta- like taken you know off of. We're gonna have steaks tonight. Mm. You know what's good with a steak? Nice cabbage salad on the side. Yeah. They, well, I mean, they didn't have that Fava option. Fava beans with a nice bottle of candy. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Just questions I have. I have. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I. I'm sure that. They probably had some people leaving, and, you know, these people had vegetables or whatever. Um, but it was definitely not their main source of food. I guess that's a good way of, like, getting materials and things is you're, you're robbing and killing people who are um, living in different areas. Like, they're moving from one town to the next, so they would have provisions that you could steal. Exactly, and I'm sure, you know, like, merchants and stuff came through that they were probably able to take some stuff. Because, I mean, they had piles of, like, clothing and jewelry and stuff. Um, Like, you know, various assorted bullshit. But, yeah, no, for the most part, they just decided that it would be really cool to munch down on some human beings. (laughs) Well, anyway, that was uh, Sonny Bean and his nuclear family. (laughs) Nuclear family. Radioactive family. Okay. My topic. I'm very excited. All right. My topic is going to be a little bit different than uh, the normal topics in the way that I researched. Oh, is it going to be good this time? Yeah. We're (laughs) going to try for being good this time. Thank you. You're welcome. Also, go fuck yourself. Okay. All right. So here's what happened. Um, A couple of months ago, I was at work and I was talking about Reddit and talking about spooky stuff and paranormal things. And a friend of mine was like, oh, there's a Reddit post that you need to find that's all about... Crazy things that happen when it comes to missing persons in state parks. Okay, yeah, I remember you telling me last time I was over here um, that this is what you were going to do. I'm really excited for this because I read a little bit of that Reddit post a while back, Mm -hmm. but I don't remember anything about it. I just remember it being really creepy and good. There's a guy out there who already does research on this, and he's on podcasts all the time, and he has books, and it's called The Missing 411, and he talks about people who have been lost or are who missing from state parks. And so this is along these stories that I collected are along the same vein. But like I said, I was reading on Reddit and there was a particular post that goes on and on and on. And I read it for hours one day at work. And it's basically told by a search and rescue officer who works for the United States Forest Service. And he doesn't ever tell his name or he doesn't really tell the location, which is fine. 
but he talks about some of the creepier things that have happened to him or the unexplained things that have happened to him as he's searching for people. So I'm going to go ahead and start reading these because they're just bizarre and crazy and so good. He says, I have a pretty good track record for finding missing people. Most of the time they just wander off the path or slip down a small cliff and they can't find their way back. The majority of them have heard the old stay where you are thing and they don't wander far. But I've had cases where that didn't happen. They bother me a lot and I use them as motivation to search even harder on the missing cases I get called in on. The first was a little boy who was out berry picking with his parents. This is something that only white people would do. Even I wouldn't go berry picking out in a weird field that's not my jam at all you invite you invite these sorts of things to happen to you who goes berry who in their right mind goes berry picking jesus christ okay he's berry picking with his parents he and his sister were together and both of them went missing around the same time their parents lost sight of them for just a few seconds and in that time both the kids apparently wandered off when their parents couldn't find them they called us when their parents couldn't find them they called us and we came out to search the area We found the daughter pretty quickly, and when we asked where her brother was, she told us that he had been taken away by the bear man. She said he gave her berries and told her to stay quiet, that he wanted to play with her brother for a while. The last she saw of her brother, he was riding on the shoulders of the bear man and seemed calm. Of course, our first thought was abduction, but we never found a trace of another human being in that area. The little girl was also insistent that he wasn't a normal man, but that he was tall and covered in hair like a bear. And then he had a weird face. We searched the area for weeks. It was one of the longest calls I've ever been on, but we never found a single trace of that kid. The other was a young woman who was out hiking with her mom and grandfather. According to the mother, her daughter had climbed up a tree to get a better view of the forest, and she never came back down. They waited at the base of the tree. They waited at the base of the tree for hours, calling her name before they called for help. Again, we searched everywhere, and we never found a trace of her. I have no idea where she could possibly have gone because neither her mother or grandfather saw her come down. A few times I've been on my own searching with a canine and they've tried to lead me straight up cliffs, not hills, not even rock rock faces. Straight, sheer cliffs with no possible handholds. It's always baffling and in those cases, we usually find the person on the other side of the cliff or miles away from where the canine has led us. That's so weird. Right? Especially going like straight up the cliff like that. Where, another, where a human being wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. And yet the canine sense of smell is better than ours. Yeah. That's wild. One particular sad case involved the recovery of a body. A nine-year-old girl fell down an embankment and got impaled on a dead tree at the base. It was a complete freak accident. Yeah, you weren't ready for that, were you? No, I was not. That gave me whiplash. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. It was a complete freak accident, but I'll never forget the sound her mother made when we told, when we told her what happened. She saw the body bag being loaded into the ambulance... And she let out the most haunting, heartbroken wail I've ever heard. I'm just envisioning Tony Collette from Hereditary, as we've spoken about many times. Yes. But, like, even just that. And that was just a movie. It was a horrifying sound. I can only imagine what it was like for an actual mother having to see that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God. He says, I teamed up with another search and rescue officer because we'd received reports of bears in the area. We were looking for a guy who hadn't come back from a climbing trip when he was supposed to, and we ended up having to do some serious climbing to get to where he'd he'd been. We found him trapped in a small crevasse with a broken leg. It was not pleasant. He'd been there for almost two days, and his leg was very obviously infected. We were able to get him into a chopper, and I heard one of the EMTs that the guy was absolutely inconsolable. Here's the best part. Oh, no. He kept talking about how he'd been doing fine, and when he had gotten to the top, A man had been there. He said the guy had no climbing equipment, and he was wearing a parka and ski pants. 
He walked up to the guy, and when the guy turned around, he said the man had no face. It was just blank. What the fuck? Yep. He freaked out and ended up trying to get off the mountain too fast, which is why he'd fallen. He said he could hear the guy all night climbing down the mountain and letting out these horrible muffled screams. That is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine having to see that and hear that all night long? Exactly. Oh my and God. And you're trapped Oh. in a crevasse oh. and you can't get out. And he was no. out there for two days. All right, he keeps going. One of the scariest things that ever happened to him involved the search for a young woman who'd gotten separated from her hiking group. They were out late at night because the dogs, oh, the searchers were out late at night because the dogs had picked up her scent. And when they found her, she was curled up under a large rotted log. She was missing her shoes and pack, and she was clearly in shock. She didn't have any injuries, and they were able to get her to walk back to the base ops. Along the way, she kept looking behind us and asking why that big man with black eyes was following them. Nope. They couldn't see anybody, so they just wrote it off as some sort of, you know, a symptom of shock. But the closer they got to the base, the more agitated the woman got. She kept asking the guy, the search and rescue officer, to tell him to stop making faces at her. At one point, she stopped and turned around and started yelling into the forest, saying that she wanted him to leave her alone. She wasn't going to go with him, and she wouldn't give us to him. I'm sorry, she wouldn't give us to him? Yes. So she's having a conversation with somebody who's not there. No. Fucking crazy. Again, stay out of the state parks. I wanted to go camping, and now I don't want to go camping so much. I don't know. Okay, so I feel like I've also talked about this, but like... Every time I watch Blair Witch, and now hearing what you're talking about, I really want to go camping. No. It's just the white people in me. But, like, now that you're saying all this, like, I want to go to a state forest or state park. I'm so glad. I just want to camp. I'm so glad we're doing an episode after this to get this shit out of my mind, because I have to sleep in this fucking house alone. (laughs) You could put in, just go onto YouTube and type, like, nature sounds or park sounds. I don't want to hear any of those Muffled screams. Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what i'm gonna do when i go home let's see that's my white noise that's what i listen to to sleep where was i at one point she stopped and turned around and started yelling to the forest saying that she wanted him to leave her alone she wasn't going to go with him and she wouldn't give him to us we finally got her to keep moving but we started hearing these weird noises coming from all around us it was almost like coughing but more rhythmic and deeper it was almost insect like when we were within the sight of the base ops the woman turns to me her eyes about as wide as I can imagine a human being could open them. She touches my shoulder and says, He w- says to tell you to speed up. He doesn't like looking at the scar on your neck. Uh, uh, what? The guy has a very small scar at the base of his neck, but mostly it's hidden underneath his collar, and Ian has no idea how the woman could have possibly seen it. Right after she said that, he heard a weird coughing so- sound right next to his ear no yes. no that's very bad mm-hmm. here's the best part one of the best parts he says now i don't know if this is true in every search and rescue unit but in mine it's sort of an unspoken regular thing we run into you can try asking about it with other search and rescue officers but even if they know what you're talking about they probably won't say anything about it we've been told not to talk about it by our superiors and at this point we've all gotten so used to it that it doesn't seem weird anymore On just about every case where we're really far into the wilderness, 30 or 40 miles, at some point, we'll find a staircase in the middle of the woods. No, 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 no. It's almost like if you took the stairs in your house, cut them out, and put them in the forest. I asked about it the first time I saw some. The other officer told him just not to worry about it, that it's normal. Everyone he's asked has said the same thing. He wanted to go and check them out, but he was told very emphatically that he should never go near them, and that you just ignore them whenever you see them. 
that is horrifying to imagine happen, but also I kind of now want to build a small staircase and just go put it in the woods somewhere because I feel like that would be really funny. Don't fuck with people. I kind of really want Until to. Until you get out there because you think you're such, a, such hot shit and there's already a staircase out there. What happens if you walk on it? I'll get to that. <gasps> All right, let's keep going. Missing kids are the most heartbreaking. doesn't matter what circumstance. Uh, it's never easy. Oh, again, he talks about David Politis, talks a lot about kids and search and rescue teams, finding them, finding them in places where they shouldn't be or couldn't be. A mother and her three kids were out for a picnic in an area of the park that has a small lake. One is six, one is five, and the other is about three. She's watching them really closely. According to her, she never lets them out of her sight at any time. She never saw anyone else in the area either, which is important. She packs up their stuff and they start to head back to the parking area. Now, this lake is only about two miles into the woods, and it's on a very clearly established trail. It's almost impossible to get lost getting from the parking area to the lake unless you're deliberately going off the path like an imbecile. Her kids are walking in front of her when she hears a sound like someone coming up the path behind her. She turns around, and in the four or so seconds she's not looking, her five-year-old son vanishes. Holy shit. I know. This is the... Oh, God. And I talked about this in season one where we lost our daughter... Back when I was married, we lost our daughter in Walmart, and it was the scariest fucking 90 seconds of my entire goddamn life. I remember that very clearly, and yeah. it only lasted a minute and a half, and yet the pure terror of not knowing where she is... I'm sure it's like nothing else. It is like nothing else that I probably will ever experience. Yeah, that's that's just absolutely horrific. I mean, obviously, I can't know for sure, but like, oh my goodness. It's just a, it's a horrifying thought, and... Oof. Now imagine doing that, but instead of an enclosed Walmart, it's the woods. Exactly. So she figures she stepped off the trail or something. She asks her other two kids where he went. And they both tell her that a big man with a scary face came out of the woods next to them, took the kid's hand, and led them into the trees. The two remaining kids don't seem upset. In fact, she says later it seems like they had been drugged. They're sort of spacey and fuzzy. So of course she freaks out, starts looking frantically in the area for her kid. She's screaming his name, and she says at one point she thinks she heard him answer her. She can't go blindly into the woods because she has her other two kids with her, so she calls the police, and they send us out, the search and rescue guys. Over the course of the search, which spans miles, they never find a single trace of the kids. Canines can't pick up any scent. They don't find any clothing or broken bushes or anything that would show that a child had been there. Of course, there's suspicion about the mother for a while, but it's pretty clear that she's completely destroyed by the whole thing. They look for the kid for weeks with a lot of volunteer help. But eventually the search peters out and they have to move on. The volunteers keep searching and then one day they get a call on the radio letting them know that a body has been found and needs to be recovered. And they tell us the location and nobody can believe it because they figure it's somebody else. It's about 15 miles from the site where this kid had vanished. Holy shit. But sure enough, they go out there and they find the body of the kid that they had been looking at all those months before. A volunteer just happened to be in the area because he figured he might as well look in places no one else would think of on the offhand chance that the body had been dumped. He comes to the base of a tall, rocky slope, and halfway up, he sees something. He looks through his binoculars, and sure enough, it's the body of the little boy, stuffed in a little opening in the rock. Excuse he, me? Yeah. Stuffed in an opening in the rock? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Like somebody flew him up there and stuffed him in there. Mm. Nope. He recognizes the color of the kid's shirt, so he knows right away that it's the missing boy. He calls it in. People are dispatched. It took them almost an hour to get the body down, and none of them could believe what they were seeing. Not only was this kid 15 miles from where he'd gone missing, but there was no possible way he could have even gotten up there on his own. The slope was treacherous. It was hard even for the search and rescue officers in their climbing gear to get to him. 
A five-year-old boy had no way of getting up there. Not only that, but the kid didn't have a scratch on him. His shoes were gone, but his feet weren't damaged or dirty. So it wasn't like something dragged him up there. And from what they could tell, he hadn't been dead that long. He'd been out there for over a month at this point, but it looked like he'd only been dead for maybe a day or two. Uh, they found out later that the coroner determined that the child had died from exposure, so he'd frozen to death. Probably late at night, two days before they'd found him. There was no suspects and no answers. And how how many days was this from when he initially went missing? Over a month. So he lasted out there for over a month. Not dirty. Not no dirty. Shoes, not scratched at all. Clean feet. And somehow managed to get 50 miles away stuffed into a crevice in rocks and a treacherous hill Mm -hmm. that's bad news bears okay this is the one about the staircases excellent i'm trying to get to it okay so to summarize the story that i'm trying to tell you this search and rescue officer had gone out with his trainer and this is when he started so they're about eight miles from the main road and then there's back roads that take you closer if you want to keep hiking but it's on state protected land, which means there isn't kind of any kind of residential or commercial development out there. He says the most you'll ever see is a fire tower or makeshift shelter that a homeless person has made. But he says, I can see from here that whatever the thing is, he sees something off in the distance, right? His trainer tells him, let's go, let's go down this path, basically, right? Oh, boy. He says, what I can see from here is that whatever this thing is that I see off in the clearing, it has straight edges. And if there's one thing you learn quickly, it's that nature rarely makes straight lines. Mm -hmm. He points it out, but his trainer doesn't say anything. She just hangs back and lets him wander over and checks it out. Okay, I'm going to read in the first person now. I get within 20 feet of it, and all the hair on the back of my neck stands up. It's a staircase. In the middle of the fucking woods. Mm, In the proper context, it would literally be the most benign thing ever. It's just a normal staircase with beige carpet and about 10 10 steps tall. About 10 steps tall. But instead of being in a house where it obviously should be, it's out in the middle of the woods. The sides aren't carpeted, obviously, and he can and I can see the wood it's made of. It's almost like a video game glitch where the house has failed to load completely and the stairs are the only thing visible. I stand there and it's like my brain is working overtime to try to make sense of what I'm seeing. My trainer comes and stands next to me and she just stands there casually looking at it as if it's the least interesting thing in the world. I ask her what the fuck this thing is doing here, and she just chuckles and says, Get used to it, rookie. You're going to see a lot of them. I start to move closer, but she grabs my arm hard. I wouldn't do that, she says. Her voice is casual, but her grip is tight, and I just stand there looking at her. You're going to see them all the time, but don't go near them, don't touch them, and don't go up them. Just ignore them. I start to ask her about it, but something in the way she's looking at me tells me that it's the best if I don't. That's a horrible addition to an already terrifying concept Mm -hmm. we end up moving on and the subject doesn't come up again for the rest of my training she was right though i'd say about every fifth call i go on i end up running across a set of stairs sometimes they're relatively close to the path maybe within two or three miles sometimes they're 20 30 miles out literally in the middle of nowhere i only find them during the broadest searches or training weekends they're usually in good condition but sometimes it looks like they've been out there for years all different kinds all different sizes. The biggest I ever saw looked like they'd come out of a turn-of-the-century mansion and were at least 10 feet wide, with steps leading up at least 15 or 20 feet. I've tried, I've tried talking about it with people, but they just give me the same response my trainer did. It's normal. Don't worry about it. They're not a big deal, but don't, close, don't go close to them or up them. 
When trainees ask me about it, I give them the same response. I don't really know what else to tell them. I'm hoping someday I get a better answer, but it hasn't happened yet. All I want to know is what happens when you walk up those stairs, and I know, I know what you're going to say to this. I know what everyone at home is going to say to this, but I really want to walk on the stairs, Jake. Jake, I want to walk on the stairs so bad. I need you to find a reason to live without going up those stairs. I, 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 I gotta get on those stairs, bud. Do not go down the stairs. Just I, don't do it. I need to know. We'll never see you again. Well, then I will do some sort of live stream while I'm there, and that can be the finale episode of Too Scared to Sleep mm-hmm. and every other thing that I do ever. Okay, here we go. All right, you ready? I'm almost done. Okay, so the rest of them are kind of a hodgepodge. Of the missing person calls I've gone out on, only a handful have ever resulted in a complete disappearance, meaning no trace of the person and nobody ever found. But the sum- but sometimes finding a body just leads to more questions than answers. Here are some of the bodies we've found that have become infamous in our team. Oh, no. A teenage boy whose remains were recovered almost a year after he vanished. We found the top of his skull, two finger bones, and his camera almost 40 miles from where he was last seen. Sadly, the camera was destroyed. Damn it. They found the pelvis of an older man who had vanished a month earlier, but that's all they ever found. The lower jaw and right foot of a two-year-old boy on the highest peak of a ridge in the southern part of the park. What the fuck? Right. The body of a 10-year-old girl with Down syndrome almost 20 miles from where she'd vanished. She had died of exposure three weeks after going missing, and all of her clothes were intact except for her shoes and jacket. There were berries and cooked meat in her stomach when they did the autopsy. The okay. coroner said it appeared as if someone had been taking care of her. There were no sp- no suspects ever identified. And what is the thing with these people showing up without their shoes? Exposure. No, I know, but like... Oh, I know. It's like the clothing it's is a perfectly weird similarity. fine, but the shoes are gone. Yeah. And this one, you said there was berries and cooked meat? Mm-hmm. Mm, there was berries and meat in her stomach, so someone had been taking care of her. She'd been feeding and been... She had been fed. The frozen body of a one-year-old baby found a week after vanishing in the hollow trunk of a tree 10 miles from the area where he was last seen. There was fresh milk found in his stomach, but his tongue was gone. What the fuck? What his tongue was gone? Fuck. I would have to quit. That is horrifying. A single vertebrae and right kneecap of a three-year-old girl found in the snow almost 20 miles from the campground where her family had been, previous, had been the previous summer. These are all really oddly specific body parts and bones to find when it's just pieces like a single vertebrae like a what was the hip bone and then yeah, like a top the of pelvis, the skull and that's yeah, it the pelvis what the fuck all right here's another staircase story yes my buddy has been a search and rescue officer for about seven years he started when he was a junior in college and had a very similar experience when he first encountered the stairs his trainer told him almost the same thing mine did which was never to go near touch or ascend them for the first year, he did just that, but apparently his curiosity got the better of him. Yes. And on one call, he broke away from the line and went to go check a set of them out. He said they were about 10 miles from the path where a teenage girl had vanished and the dogs were following a scent. Here's the thing. It's crazy. I guess just because you're search and rescue, like you're 10 miles is a long way to walk. Yeah. You know, that's a long search. That takes some time. Yeah, for sure. Like you gotta, you got to really have some balls of steel to be like, you know what? I'm going to hike that direction 10 miles in the middle of the fucking day. Yeah. Not knowing that I'm going to be able to find anything there. And then when I get back, I'm going to have to hike hike 10 more miles to come back home. What if I get stuck? What if it starts raining? What if it gets dark? You stay out here in the middle of fucking nowhere. Ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, 10 miles is almost as far as it is from like my apartment to San Marcos, like a whole nother town. Yeah. 
It is. I mean, I don't even live, I think I live a mile and a half from my work. Mm-hmm. Less than. I mean, it's just ridiculous how far away that is. And I, and I realize I sound like a big coward on our podcast. I mean, yeah. You but I'm just do. the voice of reason. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. Why would you do this? No, but it, I mean, it's a good dynamic because you're like, that's so far. Don't ever do that. And I'm like, I want to get on the stairs. Yeah, right. I really want to do it. You're going to you're gonna hike out there. Okay, let's see here. The dogs were following a scent. He was on his own, lo- lagging behind the main group when he saw a st- set of stairs off to his left. They looked like they were from a new house because the carpeting was pristine and white. He said that as he got closer, he didn't feel any different or hear any weird noises. He was expecting something to happen, like bleeding from his ears or collapsing, but he got right up next to them and didn't feel anything. The only thing he said that was odd was that there was absolutely no debris on the steps. No dirt, no leaves, no dust, nothing. And there didn't be there didn't appear to be any signs of animal or insect activity in the immediate area, which he found strange. It was less like things were avoiding them, and more like they just happened to be in a relatively barren part of the forest. He touched the stairs and didn't feel anything except that sort of sticky feeling you get from new carpet. Making sure his radio was on, he slowly climbed the stairs. He said it was terrifying. Yes. Because of the way they had been stigmatized, he wasn't really sure what was going to happen to him. He joked that half of that half of him expected to be teleported to some other dimension, and the other half was watching for a UFO to come swooping down. But he got to the top with very little event, and he stood there looking around. But, he said... The longer he stood at the top of the step, the more he felt like he was doing something very, very wrong. He described it as the feeling you get if you were in a part of a government building you had no business being in, as if someone was going to come and arrest you or shoot you in the back of the head at any second. He tried to brush it off, but the feeling got stronger and stronger, and that's when he realized he couldn't hear anything anymore. Oh, shit. The sounds of the forest were gone, and he couldn't hear even his own breathing. It was like some kind of weird, awful tinnitus, but more oppressive. He climbed back down and rejoined the search and didn't mention what what he'd done. But he said the weirdest part came after. His trainer was waiting back at the welcome center after the search ended for the day, and he cornered my buddy before he could leave. He said his trainer had this look of intense anger, and he asked what was wrong. You went up there, didn't you? My buddy said it wasn't phrased as a question, and he asked his trainer how he knew. The trainer just shook his head because we didn't find her. The dogs lost her scent. My buddy asked what that had to do with anything. The trainer asked how long he'd been on the stairs, and my buddy said no more than a minute. The trainer gave him this really awful, almost dead-eyed look and told him that if he ever wanted, ever went up another set of stairs again, he'd be fired. Immediately, the trainer walked away, and I guess he never answered any of the questions my buddy had. Holy shit. Oh my god. What? Mm-hmm. That is wild that's my favorite oh my goodness gracious Mm -hmm. there's a story about a missing five-year-old boy with a severe mental disability the little boy vanished from a picnic area in late fall in addition to the mental disability he was also physically handicapped and his parents explained over and over again that he simply could not have vanished it was impossible someone had to have taken him so they searched for the kid for weeks going miles out of the accepted range but it was like he had never been there the dogs couldn't pick up his scent anywhere not even in the picnic area area where he'd apparently vanished from suspicion fell on the parents but it was pretty clear that they were devastated and hadn't done anything sinister to their kid the search was concluded about a month later and my buddy said everyone had pretty much forgotten about it by later in the winter he was out on a training op in the snow on one of the highest peaks when he came across something in the snow he said he saw it from far away at first and when he got closer he realized it was a shirt frozen and sticking part of the way out of the powder 
he recognized it as belonging to the kid because it had a distinctive pattern. About 20 yards away, he found the kid's body laying partially buried in the snow. My buddy said there was no way the kid had been dead for more than a few days, even though he'd been missing for almost three months. The kid was curled around something, and when his buddy brushed off the, sh the snow to see what it was, he said he almost couldn't believe what he was seeing. It was a big chunk of ice that had been carved crudely to look sort of like a person. The kid was holding it so tight that it had frostbitten his chest and hands, which my buddy could tell even with the decay that had taken place. He radioed the rest of the crew and they simply took and they took the body off the mountain. Now, he recapped all of this for me and to put it simply, there was no way this kid could have survived for almost three months on his own or have gotten to this peak. There was no physical way this child could have walked almost 50 miles and ended up on the top of that goddamn mountain. That one is really, I mean, it's obviously heartbreaking because like, the sculpture you know then he's just clinging on to mm -hmm. wishing it was a person but also like i mean mentally and physically handicapped survived for three months went 50 miles away everything about that one is just horrifying here's the last part to top it off there was nothing in the kid's stomach or colon nothing not even water wow what yeah okay that's it wow that's awesome i Definitely did not read all of those when I had encountered that story. That's so cool. I loved all of those stories. Mm -hmm. That was really, really cool. And I really like camping. I really do. I and do too. In the moment, I don't want you guys to think that I'm a big fucking coward because, I mean, I do live alone and I'm not that scared and I'll, I'll, I'll sleep just fine tonight. But these things just, they cause they they cause me to, to pause and think to myself, what would I do in those situations? Would I run? Would uh, you know, I exercise better judgment? Sometimes I'd just like, man, I would just get back in the car and leave. Yeah, well, because, I mean, it's not necessarily cowardly. I mean, you just, you take the smart option, which is the opposite of everything that I want to do. <laughs> so very true. That was awesome. That was really cool. This was a good episode for the start of a good podcast. That's right, baby. All right. Got anything else, Dylan? Actually, just a real quick thing. Uh, yeah, so we are recording this one, and we are going to be recording our new podcast uh, which we're actually going to do as soon as we're done with this one but to give you guys an updated idea of what the schedule is going to be um, so what we're going to be doing from here on out is this podcast and the next podcast are going to be every two weeks but we're going to alternate it so one week we're going to have this one one the next week we're going to have the next podcast going on and on throughout the weeks and the months so this is not going to be a weekly podcast the next one's not going to be weekly but you'll be able to hear my beautiful charming angel voice and jake also um, every week if you know a movie podcast and a true crime podcast are also your jam uh, but that's just kind of a general idea of what's going to be coming up so we are still doing this one we are going to do the next one and it's going to be every other week so we hope you like it um we hope that you will go from too scared to sleep and look at our new podcast which is going to be called the cinema surgeons we're going to be talking about movies that we like, movies that we hate, and movies that we would like to change and what we would like to change about them. So if you're interested at all in pop culture movies, science fiction movies, classic movies, that's what we're going to be talking about. It's going to be something different every other week, and we hope that you'll at least try it, enjoy it, send us feedback, and let us know what you think. You can reach us on Instagram, you can reach us on um, Facebook, and you can reach us on Gmail. We have twoscaredpodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email, let us know if it's shit. Send us a DM either through Facebook or Instagram and let us know. And we'll be posting 
some information about the new podcast once we get all of that set up. Um, and once we get the first episode of our new podcast, Cinema Surgeons, up, we are going to post that first episode on the Too Scared Podcasts page, just so people can kind of get an idea. We're just going to feed drop that in. So you can just go on from this one, and then, you know, the week after, uh, that one should be in there. And you can just take a look and see if that's something that you're into. If you like it, then, you know, we'll discuss all the, the contact information and where you can find that one. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're really excited to get back in the saddle with this one and start another project, uh, which I'm sure will surprise nobody, is a movie podcast, which is the other half of the things that we talk about during this one. Yeah, that's why we did it, because we can't help but talk, start talking about movies every single time we, every single time we meet, it seems like. Everything always turns into movie movie talk, which is something that we have a really big passion for. Yeah, so we might as well speak into a microphone about it. That's right. And that's about it from us. Can you think of anything else to say? We've already said it all. Okay, well, from Dylan, my co-host, my name is Jake, and we hope we have left you too scared to sleep. As time went on and the family unit uh, honed their skills in the murder and capitalism... Capitalism? <laughs> God damn it. Okay, side note. Um, I was recently told by a friend that I have chaotic bisexual energy. And I'm not a bisexual, but that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about me. I've never heard those three words used in the same sentence to describe any one single thing ever in my entire life. I hear that so frequently. That's Chaotic? Chaotic bisexual energy. Is it, I don't know. Let's, let's move it's on. Cool. To the top. It's cool. It's cool. It's good. Whatever. I feel anyway. like that's going to turn into a 20 minute conversation. It probably will be. Let's see. How far into the recording are we? Uh, we are just about at 11 minutes. Let's now. unpack this. Let's unpack this. I've got time. We've got time. <laughs> Chaotic bisexual energy. Yeah. Okay. First of all, it's a it's a young youngster thing. Obviously. Okay. So first of all. In order to understand this, we have to agree that people give off a certain level of energy, correct? Correct. Okay. Now, is this energy, this energy is either um, heterosexual, homosexual, or bisexual, correct? I feel like this could get problematic real quick, um, but no, no, no. I mean, so it's not necessarily broken down into like that. There's just, there's, so the thing with the chaotic bisexual energy is just that like, there is such a specific brand of bisexual energy it's like it's it's more so than just like you know oh this person has straight energy or this person has gay energy or pan energy or whatever it's like there is a specific brand of energy when you see it and you're just like that person is chaotic and bisexual and it's just like okay so i mean painting my nails and owning a lot of medieval weaponry and like living in a little goblin cave that also has LED lights and a big TV and like the 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 way that I dress, the things that I say, like my my in-person energy is apparently just chaotic bisexual energy and I fucking love it because I love that whole goblin core chaotic bisexual energy. It's just so fun to be around. Mhm. Okay. You're looking at me exactly like I thought you'd be looking at me. You're my son, and I love you no matter what. <laughs> even if I can't relate, even I know. half of a percent 
<laughs> what you just said. I still love you. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens. I appreciate it. As long that, as you're I still guess. here for every Christmas and birthday and Easter and all those things. You just come back. Come to these okay. events. I want to see you Thanksgiving at the table next to your mother so she can be happy. I'll support you no matter what. 100%. I love you. Okay. Thanks. Even though I, I have no idea what you just said. I really tried. I tried so hard. I, I could see the gears turning. I tried turning. so you, hard you did, but to follow just... along. And then you lost me. But it's okay. Because I'm old. You're just an old man. I am. I really am. Okay, go ahead. All right. Jesus well, <laughs> so God. <laughs> All right. So that was a cool three and a half minute conversation that you didn't fucking understand. I, re- I tried real hard. I I, I, I know you hard. did. I know you did. Don't worry about it. And we're talking about a guy who believes in ghosts and <laughs> UFOs, and psychic readings, and tarot cards, and everything. Ouija boards. Demons and angels. But you can't understand chaotic sexual energy. It's ultra just... terrestrials and chaotic sexual energy apparently doesn't fall in any of that. <laughs> just lost. I guess not. Woof. Over my head. But it's okay. Keep going. 